The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Okay. Am I coming out? Can you all hear me? If you are on Facebook and you're watching, just give a thumbs up if you can hear me. Um, If not, just pray for us. We need it. (laughs) It's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Are we good? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Refuge Church. Uh, We're just going to start again by a declaration of forgiveness because I think we all need that for what we've thought in our hearts in the last five minutes. (laughs) Man, um, a reminder, Refuge Church, and this is um, something that I want you to remember every single day when you come to God and confess your sins to Him. If we confess our sins to God, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I said that five minutes ago, and and right now I'm excited to hear it again. The unrighteousness that we stack up against ourselves and against God, God forgives when we humbly confess it to Him. So I encourage you, not just on Sundays, but every day, continue confessing your sins to God, and He will faithfully forgive you. That is good news. Uh, Refuge Church, we will get through this together. Uh, we, have, we have had quite the technical difficulties today. Um, you know, a lot of that is because we are wanting to add parts to Sunday morning that will encourage you and be a part of your discipleship. We realize that Sunday morning is the only time that we get to do corporate discipleship together, which means we're together we get to brainstorm and think about and look at the Word and, and see how to follow Jesus. And so we want to do things like go through a book together, and we want to do a prayer of confession together, and say the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed, and and all these things will grow us deeper in our faith, but they also add some complications in recording and splicing video, and so thank you for your patience. Um, Please stick with us. I'm reminded of a time where I felt very together, and a year ago, Hannah and I were married, and about 450 people to 500 people came to support us. It felt so together. Uh, man, because the Refuge Church was there, we had like barbecue and side dishes and, and everything. So um, we haven't been together like that in a while. And I just want you to know that I miss you. And um, if I could reach through your TVs and computers and hug you, I totally would. Um, with that... We're going to enter into a new sermon series uh, to help us uh, move from our communal or corporate discipleship that we get to do together into uh, personal habits of discipleship, habits and disciplines of following Jesus. And to do that, we are going to preach on five commitments. And each week, uh, for those five commitments, uh, we're going to be covering them in a sermon series. And, uh, and starting with this intro. We are defined more by what we do than by what we say. 
In the Bible, we are told that some will meet God in heaven, expecting to enjoy their forever home, only to discover that they never really knew God. Jesus says that many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, and God will respond to them, I never knew you. How will God greet you when you see him on that day? Have you really known him? We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. But declaring faith is only the first step in following Jesus. God invites us to a personal experience of his presence and power here on earth. These five commitments that we are making as individuals and as a church will not save us, but they are a way of living that will help us to share the life of Jesus, to walk in the Spirit, and to show the goodness of the born-again life here on earth. Let me read that again. These five commitments will not save us, but they are a way of living that will help us share the life of Jesus, walk in the Spirit, and show the goodness of the born-again life here on earth. These five commitments are simply this. The first is to pray and worship, to set aside one time each day to pray, memorize, and worship. Two, to fast. Mark your calendar for two half-day fasts each month. Three, serve and give. Find somewhere to volunteer three hours each month and share what God has given to you. Four, seek and save. Seek four people to share Jesus with each month. And lastly, study. Commit to read and journal uh, through the Bible five days each week. These are the five commitments that we are making together. Now, in talking about commitment and uh, the commitment of prayer and worship, this discipline, uh, I thought of how much commitment, or I'll just say following directions, uh, it takes to prepare for the coming of a baby, as you know that Hannah and I are, are doing now. Um, you know, when we talk about commitments or following Jesus, we're following a path set for us. We're not making this path ourselves. And, and you'd think that's also how you follow directions on getting ready for a baby and putting together a crib and a jogging stroller and all these things that you buy. But... Um, Preparing for a baby has just reminded me that I'm not good at following directions. I rarely take the well-worn path that is set clearly before me. You see, there is a correct way to assemble an Ikea crib, and there's an incorrect way. Actually, there's many incorrect ways to assemble an Ikea crib, even though you think it would be very simple. Given the fact that in the box there is a small pamphlet called Directions, and, and that gives you the path to clearly assemble the crib. Now, for some reason, ever since childhood and assembling Lego sets all the way till now, I have never followed directions. And so I will time and time again be so frustrated at, at why it's not coming together like it should. And, and all along, the directions are just you know, laying to the side, and I will get it wrong, and then I'll, I'll take it apart, and I'll try again, and I'll get it wrong again. 
And it is so frustrating. And for many of us who say we're followers of Jesus, there's that same frustration in following Jesus. Instead of following his directions, we try over and over and over again to do it our way. way. And first Peter, Peter, we're told simply this. this. Jesus Jesus suffered suffered for you. you. That means means Jesus Jesus cut the path path for you. you. He went through the jungle jungle of sin sin and earth, earth, and he made made a way. This is literally what what Jesus Jesus suffered for you, leaving an example example that you you should follow in his steps. Jesus has cut the trail. Jesus the way. He's given you clear direction to follow. Most of us don't take those directions. Over, 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 over again. We stub our toes and stumble our way. Our own way. Instead of following Jesus' way. This is what it means to be a Christian. Someone who walks in the way of Jesus. You are responding to the invitation of Jesus. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He's given a clear way, and we get to follow that clear path. But many of us will still ask ourselves, how do we follow Jesus when he is not here? That's a good question. Think of what Jesus would be doing if he was here. I think Jesus would be out healing the heroin addict and still spending time with those who felt furthest away from him. Those who were scared to walk into a church or the prostitute in the city. He would be teaching in the churches, but he'd probably be teaching really uncomfortable things for us. He'd be challenging our norms. But we don't have him here now in the flesh doing that. So what does it look like to follow Jesus? Well, he's given us the story of what his life looked like. Only a few people got to experience Jesus by actually walking with him. And and I will say this is kind of a side note, but if you want a really cool a picture of what that would look like. There's this TV series called The Chosen that you can watch on YouTube that, man, is so good, and I encourage you to watch it. You can see what it was like, uh, a picture of what it might have been like. But the reason Jesus came was not to live forever in this hurt. He, he didn't come to forever give everyone who ever lived a time with him in the flesh. He came to redeem the, the hurt. Jesus came to die and to give his life as a ransom for many. And in his, his resurrection from the dead and ascension to be with the Father and prepare a place for us, he leaves us with the example, with a clear-cut path of how to follow him. An example of what's called the indestructible life. And we get to walk in that way, in these clear directions of Jesus. So, if your soul hungers for that clarity and to walk in the way of Jesus, his promise is this for you. If you seek him, if you seek his way, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart. So, if you're seeking for God, if you're seeking his way, look no further than Jesus. And where do we find Jesus? Well, We can see the ministry of Jesus going around all over the world, but the easiest way to find him is simply by opening the Gospels, his word that he left for us. And and time and time again, you can open and just see how Jesus lives and what he does, what Jesus gravitates towards, how he spends his time. 
And we're given a clear, clear picture of what that is. Jesus was someone who lived under authority. That's probably not the path you thought I was going to take. <laughs> Jesus was one who lived under authority. Jesus read the directions, right? He wasn't, Jesus wasn't like me. He was like, I don't know what to say, so I'm just going to say whatever. I don't know how to build this, so I'm just going to build whatever. Right? No, Jesus was somebody under authority. And this is probably why many of us don't walk in the way of Jesus. We hate authority. We hate authority, but not all authority is bad. Authority actually is meant to be good. It is meant to be for our life and health. Abuse of authority is when those in positions of power abandon justice and pursue personal gain. But that is not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is he comes under the authority of a just and true God hears everything that the Father is saying, and he goes and he does that. The authority is given on earth. It's given to Jesus and through Jesus for the flourishing of justice and truth here on earth. And we see that in the ministry of Jesus. Listen to this. John 5.19, Jesus says, The Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. See, if, if anyone were to just to, to walk to the beat of their own drum, we would think that's Jesus. But not him. Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. I do only what I see the Father doing. Then why do we try to do it our own way? If Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing, then we should only see what we only do what we see Jesus and only what we see God the Father doing. Limit our actions to that. In John 12, 49 to 50, Jesus says, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just whatever the Father has told me to say. What if that was the only word that came out of your mouth? What if that was the only thing you said to your spouse or your child or your coworkers? I only say what I hear the Father saying. Would you speak with more wisdom, with more grace, with more love? Then let's commit to follow in the way of Jesus. Jesus followed directions. Let's also follow directions. So if we follow Jesus and he followed directions, how do we learn the direction? Well, we, we simply watch what Jesus said and we watch what he did. That's what Jesus did and that's what we do. What did Jesus say? Well, if we're going to boil it down to the great commandment, this is what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul and all your mind. He said, and he just threw this one in. And the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, all the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. What did he do? How did he fulfill this? And I love this. If you want to know what Jesus did, obviously there's all these stories of miracles. And, but if, if you ask Jesus what he did, I think this is what he would tell you. Luke 5, 16. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. 
Think if he asked Jesus what he did, he would just simply tell you, I pray. I pray. And I just do what the Father tells me. Now, if we were like, man, Jesus, what do you do? He'd be, you know, if someone asked us that, we'd be like, Jesus, you know, fill in the blank. Jesus prayed. If we're going to walk in the way of Jesus, we also will pray. What Jesus said and did was a result of hearing what the Father said and joining what the Father was doing. Jesus constantly pursued time with the Father. And this is why our first commitment is to set aside one time every day for prayer, for memorization, and for worship. Because we want to do what Jesus did. It's that simple, people. (laughs) That simple. Stop complicating following Jesus by doing your own way. Follow Jesus and what he did. Pray. So I'm just going to give a quick explanation of these three things to make these tangible things that we can actually do day after day after day. Prayer. So, prayer. How do we pray? Well, to pray we must remember first that we have to learn how to pray. (laughs) To pray we must remember that we have to learn how to pray. Many of us need to admit that we don't know how to pray. We don't feel great at praying. We're intimidated by praying. It gives us small panic attacks to think about praying every day for a period of time. (laughs) Some of you might already be nervous simply thinking, I want to do these things, but prayer? I've tried so many ways and so many times, and yet I just don't know how. We probably feel the same way with things that we also think should feel natural, like talking to family or spouses or kids or friends or coworkers. And we also panic doing those things. Being intentional is hard. And, and I, think, I think it's so hard because many of us don't know what's going on in us. And because of that, we have great uncertainty in expressing ourselves. Finding themselves in this space, the disciples had the humility to simply say, Jesus, teach us to pray. They saw that this was the cornerstone of Jesus's life. And so instead of them going away and just trying to do it, they said, Lord, will you teach us? And, and we are so helped by this. The Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, I encourage you, as we pray it every Sunday, go through it and, and pray through it. Don't just pray, pray through it. If you say, start by saying, Father, uh, who is in heaven, help us this day to honor your name. And then just fill it in. God, help us honor your, help me honor your name today because honestly, so many of the things I do, I don't know if it honors you. Teach just me what it means to honor you. God, I've honestly never even thought through what I do in a day. I've never thought through my work, and if my work honors you, if it could honor you. So God, help, give me new eyes to see ways that I can honor you. Lord, may your kingdom come, because God, often I'm so consumed with what's happening. The elections are coming, and I pretend as if this is the most important thing on earth. But it's not, because your kingdom is greater than earth. Your kingdom's greater than what's happening here, so help me see everything 
as a citizen of your kingdom, which comes first. So God, help me see that. May your will be done. Right? All these things. Just think through it and pray through it. Be intentional and meaningful as you pray the way Jesus taught you to pray. Teach us to pray. Slow down your pace. Be honest. Um, another um, story of someone asking to pray led to a really beautiful little book um, called uh, simply uh, a way to a simple way to pray it was a, a barber named Peter in, in Wittenberg, Germany um, he had a, a man who would come in and get his hair cut named Martin Luther this was the great reformer in the early 1500s and um, as Martin Luther came in one day uh, to get his hair cut Peter the barber, seeing the life of Martin Luther and admiring it, said, Martin Luther, can you teach me how to pray? And so Martin Luther left and wrote a book called A Simple Way to Pray. And so I just want to offer some of the things he said to you as, as helpful tools. He, Luther suggested to Peter that he set aside time for prayer every day because pressures frequently threaten to disrupt our prayer time. It is helpful to have a regular time of prayer, a commitment. If you're like, well, I'm just going to pray on the go. I'm just going to pray when I'm sitting waiting for the bus or I'm going to sit while I'm waiting for the coffee. Um, imagine if that's the only time you talked, you know, with the important people in your life. It was like, well, I'm just going to always do it on the go. Uh, that probably wouldn't lead to any meaningful interaction. And, uh, and that's the same with prayer. We want to set aside not our spare time, but our best time. Luther also suggested that Peter find a quiet place to pray so he can concentrate easier. Concentration is important when you pray. Luther said this, prayer is like your task as a barber. The last thing I want you to do is have your mind wandering when my face is lathered up and you take out the blade and start shaving me. I don't want you to start wool gathering and end up slitting my throat, right? <laughs> if, we, if we start praying but we're not concentrated, all of a sudden, unintentionally, we will dishonor God. We will dishonor him. And what is worse than that, right? The God of heaven and earth that deserves all our time and all our attention. All of a sudden, our minds are straying. So spend concentrated time doing it. If you want to do something well, you give your best time to it. Luther also recommended that Peter pray aloud. There's something helpful and beautiful in speaking out loud. There, there's a sense of reality in speaking aloud that we don't have if we're just internalizing everything. Jesus did this very same thing in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was at his lowest, hardest moment. He cried out to God. He uttered his words aloud, and we can do the same thing. Luther also suggested praying the Ten Commandments, praying through them. God, you've... you've uh, Ask me to, to honor you first. Help me do that. God, you, you challenged me in your commandments to honor my father and mother. I don't, man, I don't, am I doing that, Father? Help me think of ways to honor my, my father and mother, right? As you work your way through those things, pray through them. The Apostles' Creed, honor God by praying the things he has done. And the Lord's Prayer. So, if this all seems complicated, the last thing I want to do is to give you a master's class on prayer. So I'm just going to finish by um, 
telling you what I do as I pray, as a helpful, because I'm by no means a master of it. The first thing is turn your phone off. Turn your phone off. If, if it helps, turn it off and put it in the other room. Um, I have note cards that I've written my prayers on, people that I want to pray for or specific prayers, and I pray through those. Prayer doesn't have to be spontaneous. If there's something intentional and meaningful you want to bring before God and bring before Him constantly, help remind yourself. Put names down in specific prayers for them. So you remember, man, God, I want to pray for so-and-so. God, you know they must struggling with depression. and Maybe write a verse with it. God, I just want to pray this verse over them. May, they, may the, their, the joy of the Lord be their strength. God, they're wrestling with, with dark thoughts. I pray that you'll, you'll light their path with your word, right? Pray over them specific prayers. And lastly is this, and I think this is most important, is speak to God, not at God. Speak to God, not at God. God is present with you, so you can tell him, what you're thinking directly. This is so, 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 so important. Right? If, if we uh, get into the habit of praying as if, if God might be hearing or might be distracted or might be somewhere else, no. As you stop to pray, wait until you're acknowledging God present with you. God is with you. He's closer than your own skin to you, and you can hear every word that's coming out of your mouth. So pray to him, not at him. The second thing is memorize. Now, memorize, the word itself might be intimidating because many of us might be thinking, man, I just have a really bad time. Like, I can't remember my anniversary. I can't remember my birthday. Sometimes I forget what day Christmas is. Like, if memorization is challenging for you, then maybe insert the word remember here. And what I, what I mean by that is when you remember, you don't have to have it all stored away. It could be that, that every day you're looking at the same verse and remembering the truth of it. If it's hard, by the end of that week, if you can't say it perfectly, it's okay. It's okay. Spend time with that. Now, it also might be difficult for some of you to locate where in the Bible it says to memorize. Right? You might go to your concordance and be like, okay, I want to do what Jesus says. And Jesus says, never, never says like memorize. Right? John 15, 7. He says, if you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done to you. He says, if my word remains in you. It can be translated abide also, which is literally to make home with. Right? If my word has a home in your heart. This is what we do by memorizing and remembering. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word, O God, in my heart that I might not sin against you. Jesus feasted on the word of God. He says, as he's responding to the temptation of Satan, he says, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Remember, Jesus did not speak his own words, but he heard the words the Father said, and he repeated those words. What kind of words of wisdom come out of you when you speak, when you write something online, when your child does something crazy and you just respond? What words come out of you? Is it the words of God that come out of you? Is it his wisdom that comes out of you? 
It will if you are constantly hiding his words in your heart and remembering them. We want our words that we speak in the moment to represent eternity, and they can. So, how do we memorize? Very simply, this. Every week, choose a portion of scripture. And to help you with that, we're actually, every week, Sunday, is going to give you a portion of scripture you can memorize. One thing that is, has um, hindered me from memorizing over the years is every week feeling like I need to just find a new verse. And I, right along with you, I'm going to be memorizing the verses that are given on Sundays. And we can talk with one another about them. Um, if you've memorized it already, that doesn't mean it's not helpful to go back and memorize it again. Remember, because it's remembering. Um, we don't memorize for the sake of being proud, that we have a lot of knowledge, because remember, knowledge can puff up, but love builds up. So the point of memorizing and storing in our hearts is that we act in love, love to God and love to our neighbor. So if you carry these note cards around with you, right, this is what I do, carry note cards around that have the verse on it that I can read throughout the day, that I can read uh, when I'm praying. Um, Hannah loves to put sticky notes around the house with the verse on it, put them on the mirror, put them above the, the uh, kitchen sink uh, for you just to remember and take it in uh, while you're brushing your teeth or flossing, while you're washing the dishes. The other thing that I found very, very helpful in memorizing and, and make it not just knowledge but true wisdom is this. Understand what you're memorizing. Give it time to wrestle with it. There might be parts, as this week as we're memorizing, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You might stop and go, what is a soul? All right? That's such a good question. I would love to talk with you about that, right? Like, know what you're memorizing. Don't just, don't just store words. These are, these are truths. God, how do I love you with my, my mind? I, God, honestly, I'm just an idiot sometimes, and all I think about is, like, dumb stuff. Like, how in the world do I love you with my mind if, if all I think about is, you know? How do I love you? understand what you're memorizing and then apply what you're memorizing as we're this week you know memorizing love the lord with god with all your heart soul mind love your neighbors yourself it could be that you're like oh man i uh i don't even know my neighbors and you're like i don't even i can't even love god i can't like by loving my neighbors if i don't even know them and and, and so apply it do it don't just memorize it and I guarantee you, if you start thinking about how to love your neighbors, you're going to memorize this verse. Because over and over again, you're probably going to sit there going, like, I don't want to do it. I, I honestly don't, like, like, honestly, their dog is so mean. I just don't. And, but as you start memorizing this and applying it, God will start changing you. That's the value of memorizing and remembering, is we, we become what we think, what you dwell on you dwell on you become like lastly worship 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 is whatever we give our best to worship is whatever we give our best to you might have always wondered what it means to worship like you've always wondered what a soul is 
so helpful to know what we're talking about, right? Worship is whatever we give our best to. Worship is when the heart and mind and soul are working correctly. There is nothing more original and natural to our true design than to worship. Because there is nothing more true and natural to the human heart, soul, and mind than to give God our best. That is what we were created to do. Worship is an idol-smashing, crown-casting act. And what I mean by that is when we align our heart in a correct way and we are giving God our best, all the idols that we've given to, whether that's like binge-watching shows or, or buying stuff on Amazon or, or like just giving everything we have to our garden or whatever hobby we have, or you know, whatever it is that you're like giving every thought and act to whatever that is if it's not God it's an idol and so when we correctly direct our hearts and our minds and our souls towards God it literally is taking that idol and it is smashing it because it's going God this doesn't compare to you at all at all and it's crown casting because when we when we start worshiping and we're experiencing joy and God is crowning us with love and patience and peace and and we, and we find ourselves like glowing in a new way. We take that crown and we throw it aside because we're like, man, even what I'm feeling doesn't compare to who you are, God. And that's what worship is and that's what worship does. And, and, and Jesus expresses this again in Matthew 4 where he's responding to the temptation to put something before God. And he says, worship the Lord God and serve him only. Worship the Lord God and serve Him only. And that is why we make a commitment to worship. And there is consequences to not worshiping correctly. And the world, and so many of us, are bearing these consequences. In Romans 1, it says this, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godless and wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities... His eternal power and divine nature, these worshipful things, they've been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. There's no excuse not to worship. It says, For although they knew God, they didn't glorify Him as God, nor give thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although we continued claiming to be wise, we became foolish and exchanged the glory of the immortal God. Immortal God is forever worshipped. We exchange that glory for images of mortal human beings, birds, animals, reptiles, right? Instead of focusing on Him, we start focusing on all these things. Therefore, it says God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts. Sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Worshipping the wrong thing has terrible consequences. And many of us, our hearts are darkened and our souls have no light and our thinking is foolish because our worship is misdirected. Worship is no joke. Worship is no small thing. I heard this amazing song. Sean turned turned me on to it this week. It's called Clear the Stage and it says, we can... We can sing all the songs we want, but they can be meaningless. Because unless your heart, your soul, and mind are, are giving God your best, 
It doesn't matter what you sing. It doesn't matter what you say. Worship is an, an action. You can't trick God into thinking you're worshiping Him when you're really not. It's like the, the person who goes on a date and the whole time they're playing with their phone thinking the other person doesn't recognize what they're doing. You're an idiot. <laughs> right? All you're doing is embarrassing yourself. <laughs> These are very strong words. I get it. But it's the same thing when we, when we are like, I'm worshiping God, but really our hearts are chasing after all these other things. God isn't fooled for a second. And if you think, man, I'm, I'm reading my Bible and I'm, I'm singing the songs and I'm, I'm, I'm doing all these things, then why I'm not changed? Because we're probably continuing to give other things our best. If we're like, man, I'm, I don't know I'm not better at prayer, but you've never given even an hour, just a solid hour to pray to seek his face. Because what God says, what he promises is, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all of your heart. 20% isn't good enough. 20% won't get you there. It is by, by seeking him with all of your heart. So how do we worship? That's the big question. You should be like crying out, right now, man, how do we worship? We worship by giving God our full attention. And you'll be surprised how difficult that is if you've been worshiping idols for a long time. With your heart and soul and mind declaring who God is, that's how we worship. Worship isn't declaring who we are, how we feel, how we think. I think, and I've said this so many times while we're here on a Sunday morning, I say, you know, many of us come, and the first question we ask ourselves is, do I feel like it? Worship isn't about how you feel, it's about who God is. Write that down, seriously, tattoo it on your arm, I don't care. Worship is not how you feel, it's about who God is. And by, by declaring who he is, you start getting pulled in the direction of worship. And this is why I encourage you every day as you pray, set aside time to pray. And your prayer could just be simple. Start praying the Lord's Prayer, elaborating on it, memorizing, just choose a verse. Read it over and over again. Say, what does this really mean, God? What are you, what are you saying in this? And then, and then singing a song, or it doesn't even have to be singing a song. You know, if you're like, man, I don't sing well, it could be humming a song. It could be humming a song, the same song every day. Every day, hum Amazing Grace. And just think about the words and think about what they're saying. Man, God, your grace. The only reason I can do this right now is because you've been so gracious to me. Comment, declare who he is. It could be making a new song. <laughs> Colossians 3.16 talks about making music in our heart to God. It could be that what you've read, um, you're memorizing. Just sing it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all my soul. Let's make that into a prayer, God. Help me love you. That's how, that's how we worship giving him our full attention, declaring who he is. It's not hard. But we're so afraid to do it. 
because what it means is losing our life, means dying to ourself, and experiencing a new life, a brand new one, brand new life, and that is what God promises to you if you go about doing these things. And that is why we're making these commitments. Because we don't want to go around pretending like we can be 20% followers. We want to be all in. And we want to keep talking about these things because we'll need one another's help to do it. Talk to your friends, your spouse, your kids. Say, man, do you guys want to talk about the weekly memory verse with me? How can I pray for you? How have you seen God this week? Man, as you start sharing those things, guys, we are going to be become the followers that we so desire to be. Because like Jesus said, I only do and I only say what I have seen the Father do and what I see the Father say, let's be the kind of church that can honestly say we only do what we see Jesus doing and we only say what we see Jesus saying. And that is the heart behind the series. I invite you to commit to do these things with us. Now as we finish, I'm going to remind you what Jesus has done for you to allow you to make this commitment. Before Jesus even paid the full price for our sins by giving himself, he shared a meal with his disciples and he took the bread and he took the wine that was there and showing what he would do, he taking the bread, said, this is my body that will be broken for you. And he took the cup that was there and he said, this cup, this wine that represents a new covenant in my blood. The old covenant of you needing to do something to please God, he goes, that's, that's done away with. I am doing something. I'm making a commitment that I am keeping with you. And he says, whenever you do this, remember what I have done for you. Do this often. Eat often. Drink it often in remembrance of me. So as you, you do this, remember that this commitment that you're making to pray, to memorize, to worship, you won't keep perfectly, but God's commitment in Jesus is kept perfectly with you. I invite you to take the bread and the cup with me. Church, will you pray with me? Father, I pray that you will fill us with excitement to walk in your way, to realize that we aren't cutting the path, the path has been cut for us. At no moment are we alone, and at no moment are we abandoned. That Jesus goes before us still. His Spirit is within us to inspire us and instruct us in His words. God, you, you told the woman who had had such a crazy life of sin in John 4 that... 
what you offered was like living water that could well up, just spill out of us. And I pray it will be like that as we pray, as we memorize, and as we worship. Your word will be like that fountain, filling us and overflowing from us. I pray it's in Jesus' name. Good morning, Refuge Church. Uh, appreciate your patience with us this morning as we uh, wrestle through whatever new technical challenge we encounter. We're running with the brand new camcorder today, which is awesome, um, but it's presented its own new challenges that we're working through. Uh, so normally we, me and Sean pre-record this, we have the slides ready, we're uh, prepared to just roll this out, but today I'm here with you live, so there's no slides, so you're gonna have to listen super carefully. Uh, the first thing is, is Race and Danae had their baby, which I think Daniel mentioned, and um, we have a meal train for them, so if you check the sermon notes email, all of the details about the meal train are in there, so you can sign up and help them out. Um, we are still doing the Naval Avenue cleanup, that's going to be August 30th at 3 p.m., and I will be there, and the Shapers will be there, so bring your brooms, your rakes, your other implements of destruction, and come out and help us uh, clean that place up a little bit, and then... Man, we had so much amazing feedback today. I was going to do a whole announcement about doing a check-in, but uh, I feel like I talked to almost everybody in the church this morning as we worked our way through these things. So thank you for uh, communicating with us and letting us know where you're at so we can solve those problems for you. The memorization verse this week is Matthew 22, 35 to 40. And I'm going to read it through real quick. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And that is Matthew 22, 35 to 40. And Refuge Church, we appreciate you being here with us today, and we invite you to join us in incarnating King Jesus in city life, singing its rhythms, speaking its languages, sharing its spaces, freeing the oppressed, fighting injustice, finding people of peace, inviting the city into the kingdom of God.